Welcome to the Empower Working Mom Revolution podcast, the ultimate destination for all you incredible working moms out there. I'm your host, Jocelyn Young, a certified life coach dedicated to helping you craft that ideal work-life balance so that you can embrace a life filled with joy, fun, and fulfillment. We're going to explore how to transform your life, relationships, and career by nurturing your well-being, setting boundaries, managing time effectively, and cultivating self-compassion. So buckle up for actionable tips and transformative insights because we're diving deep into authentic and inspiring stories, sharing practical tips, tools, and practices that empower you to step into your courageous strength. So join me here every Wednesday as we revolutionize the way you show up as a working mom, making remarkable changes in yourself, your families, and the world around you. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and let's embark on this transformative journey together. Welcome to the Empowered Working Mom Revolution Podcast. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey there, working moms. A quick announcement before I dive into today's podcast episode. If you're looking for a place to connect with other fellow working moms who are also dedicated to building a successful career while being present parents, and you're wanting to gain access to transformative tools and practices that will empower you to take decisive action, then come join us for the free virtual Working Moms Power Hour workshop. We're gonna be meeting on Friday, October 6th at 11 a.m. Pacific time, where the topic will be how to eliminate stress and reclaim your energy. Join us at the Working Moms Power Hour where empowerment happens in just one hour. You're gonna leave feeling strong, inspired, and connected with other fellow working moms. So go to bit.ly forward slash working moms power hour to register now. See you there. Hey there, working moms. I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. Um, But I wanted to share a little bit before we dive into the conversation that I had with Alicia about sketchnoting. As a working mom, just listening to her story and the nuggets of wisdom that she shared, you know, I really was thinking about how to invite um, the things that she was sharing in the episode about slowness about being a beginner. And those are things that really resonated with me um, in our conversation today and how when we invite slowness, it's almost like you're allowing yourself to go on this journey of healing, of transformation, and also where we talk about like making those conscious choices to create that change in our lives when we're feeling like there's something that needs to be changed. And allowing ourselves to be comfortable with the discomfort and also allowing ourselves to be okay and being a beginner. And so that really resonated for me as a working mom because, you know, motherhood is all about new beginnings all the time. And then also with like the work that we do in our careers, there is like allowing ourselves to slow down because I don't know about you, but you know, where I live here in the Bay Area, there is this energy of fast pace and always hustle. And um, I've, I'm feeling like we're entering in this time of trying to allow slowness. And particularly as a working mom, right, there's this tendency to just go fast and go with the pace of everyone else. And I just love this reminder how through the act of sketchnoting, it invites slowness. Also, um, as a working mom, I could also see how sketchnoting is not only beneficial for me, but how to invite my kids into that practice of using sketching to um, understand ourselves and understand our experiences, especially with 
you know, one of my younger daughters, I can see how this can be beneficial in helping her, her understand just information, but really like learning about reflecting on her own experiences with her friends. And so this is just a wonderful conversation that comes that gives you a lot of ways to utilize the practice of sketch noting, but really deeper in deep down underneath the um, topic of sketch noting is really allowing ourselves as working moms to find a practice to help us to slow down, to help us allow us to enter into our journeys of creating change that our mind, body, and soul needs. So enough of my rambling, let's dive into the conversation. Welcome to the show, Alicia. And I'm glad you're here. So thank you for taking your time and sharing with us today. We're going to dive into that. But before we dive into that, I want to share with the audience. I always love doing this about how we met because I know people ask me like, how do you meet these amazing people? So Alicia and I, we go way back into our teaching, previous teaching life. So we met at my first school that I taught at um, here in the Bay Area. And that's how we met. We were both teachers on the same staff. And then we ended up being coaches together, instructional coaches as well. And we just stayed in touch. And so I won't give anything else more away because we're going to talk about that in this uh, episode. But would you like to um, say hi, Alicia? And then I can give you a more formal um, introduction or if you would like to introduce yourself as well. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm excited to be on here. I've been a season one listener, so I've enjoyed meeting all of Jocelyn's friends and um, feel privileged to have the honor to share with you, but she forgot one key point about our teaching years and where they crossed over. When you left the classroom, Jocelyn, and moved to a different oh, school, yes. I actually took over your classroom. And if you don't know Jocelyn, she is extremely organized. <laughs> Everything, even though I was a fourth grade teacher and she was a first grade teacher, you still leave certain things behind in your classroom. You don't take everything with you like you're moving a house. Yeah. And you had like color coded bins and folders and <laughs> set a high bar <laughs> for this fourth grade teacher to come keep the space nice and clean. So a little okay, tidbit about Jocelyn, you may not know. <laughs> I forgot about that. I remember I was like, okay, Alicia's moving in. I want to make sure that everything looks nice and neat and organized so she can just move right in. (laughs) Yeah. And that was my third classroom I'd ever moved into and the only one that someone had done that for me. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I didn't know that. (laughs) I adopted some hoarder classrooms in my previous experience, (laughs) which is its own beast and a wonderful story, probably over happy hour. (laughs) Yeah. Well, would you like to tell your audience, our audience um, about just a little bit about your background and where you are now? And then we're going to dive into just this topic. You got, you all probably saw the title about how the tool of sketchnoting, but I would love to just hear about who you are so the audience can get to know you as well. Yeah, I'm sure I'll share more about kind of the origin of sketchnoting, but just mm-hmm. on like the resume side, as people easily <laughs> say, here's what my history is. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent 10 years in the classroom um, as an upper elementary school teacher at um, charter and regular traditional public schools. And that's how we met. And after that, I spent three years as a district coach. So I was supporting teachers. And I also in between was kind of that hustle culture, summer teacher that always had a second or third job 
um, thankfully has led me to a lot of networking and a lot of opportunities with um, working with adults. And so that was kind of my way to say, I don't know if I want to stay in my current role. Let me test out these little part-time contracts or things that I've started a few years back. Um, because in Jan January, in June of 2022 is when I decided to officially resign and take a sabbatical, an unpaid sabbatical, and just kind of take a life reset. So um, that's kind of where Jocelyn and my story pick back up in getting a chance to talk a little bit more about life coaching and our similar journeys um, in transition. And so hopefully that will come out today talking about all of the things that come with making big decisions like that and what um, sketch noting or visual note taking has done to help me in that journey of healing and moving forward and um, just processing a lot of the the thoughts that come at you when you make a big change in your life. Yeah. And I love, and the reason why I wanted Alicia on the podcast today is because I love how she used sketch noting as a tool to help her. And I've just been, it's been an honor just to just see the transformation and evolution, but through her sketch noting. So before we even dive even deeper into that, because there's so much there is like just the basics. Cause, um, in my mind, I'm not too familiar with discussion. Like I know you and I have had some conversations about that, but um, my first thing goes to, is that doodling? <laughs> I'm just, that sounds really like naive of me to say, but I just, you know, wanting to know for everyone who's listening, like how is sketch noting different or similar to doodling? That is a great question. And um Sketchnoting has many different iterations and forms. I think it falls under a larger umbrella of visual thinking. And under visual thinking umbrella, there's sketchnoting, which is visual note taking, um, usually for the purpose of like self notes, memory, um, communication of ideas. Like you'll see a lot of people that sketchnote. It's like I sketchnoted this podcast or I sketchnoted this book or I sketchnoted this conference session. And so you'll see it. It kind of came around about 10 years ago. There was a book called the sketchnote handbook that taught people how to do this. And, um, the good part about it was I was already using that, those tools, but it gave me validation that it actually was good for memory and the learning science behind it was, was there. So it wasn't like, oh, that's just how I take my notes, but yeah. also valid that it was effective. Um, and then since then, I've seen it seep across all areas of business and education um, from UX designers that do more of the visual facilitation and like how do we take concrete or abstract ideas and make them concrete so we can get further in our design process or um, graphic recording or like people that sit in a meeting and keep track of everything as the mm -hmm. note taker, but in a way that the whole team can look at it. So there's a lot under the form of visual thinking, but back to your doodling question, the yeah. very first book that I read was called um, The Doodle Revolution. And... Mm -hmm. She talks about info doodles, which is almost synonymous for a sketch note in the way we oh, would say okay. it today. And she talks about how the word doodle, I'd have to watch the TED talk again, but I think doodle was like a really bad word. It was like Dumbo or like dummy or something where it had a negative connotation. Yeah. And so a lot of us that do this work kind of have that stigma and like, oh, don't look, I'm just drawing some stick figures or I'm just doodling. <laughs> Like a and shameful so, kind of a thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's so many times where I'm doing it and I will like 
someone will walk by and I'll kind of like reach across and cover my notes <laughs> as if I was <laughs> off task because it's like ingrained from from like high school and college like oh you're off task you are not looking up or whatever you're not whatever paying attention because you're drawing yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> wow. so so doodling for me for a long time was just making marks and that was like I have like a STEM math background and um so for me my doodles were all geometric it was very like zentangle-ish and very symmetrical and um I would just do that in like the back of my notebooks in in high school mm-hmm. but it was always something that once the teacher came I like went back to the page I was supposed to be on it was like that hiding <laughs> Yeah, And then somewhere, actually, I don't mind if I just go into this, because this yeah. is kind of a funny story, where I kind of switched from doodling, which was just like the mindless marks on a page, repetition, like nothing of content. Um, the story I've been telling recently for the workshop that I'm making, um, I was in ninth grade biology, and you can imagine the transition to high school mm-hmm. is like okay, welcome. Yeah. We're sitting in rows. There's finals, <laughs> like totally different mm-hmm. experience when it's like, welcome to high school culture. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, your grades matter because this is going to go on your transcript for college. Yeah. And my high school teacher for science decided that it would be best for management if he alphabetized the class by last name. And so being the only Z in the class, everybody had a desk except for me. And I had to sit at the back lab table by myself. So coming from shy little Alicia, who's a good student and wants to get a perfect 4.0, and now sitting by myself, it was super isolating. It, I didn't, I liked math and science, but science in that way of like biology, it feels like language arts to me. It's like facts, it's history, it's like yeah. dates. It was not something that I had a strength of. Mm-hmm. And so I... Um, would doodle in the back because I was bored and I didn't understand it. And then I kind of got this in trouble of, oh, shoot, this isn't working for me. I'm in the back. I have to do extra to pay attention. And I started doodling what I thought before the early remnants of like sketch noting, I started doodling my science notes. And it's funny because in 2022, Edutopia just put out a research and a video called how drawing um, leads to deeper understanding or deeper learning. And it was about fifth graders in science learning about biology. And they're like the ones that drew, uh, like, say they're learning about cells and cell diagrams. The ones that drew a representation of the cell did well because drawing the picture helped them recall. But Mm. those that made a sketch note or a mind map, something with arrows, something with relationships, They not only knew the components and the vocabulary, but they knew how they related to each other and they outperformed everybody else on higher order thinking tests, memory, recall, um, metacognition. And so it's like, it's taken how many years, I'm far out of high school people, (laughs) to be able to get validation that what I've been doing for 20 years is finally has educational research to say it works. Yeah. So it's been a cool journey seeing it grow in popularity, but also in um, the validation of the science and cognitive science behind it. Yeah, you're like pointing to like what was intuitive that was helpful for you is now like recognize and affirm that it is actually a tool and not just something you just, uh, here I go and do this because it's, you know, like 
you know yeah just, i just like yeah. art i'm just a doodler yeah, yeah like yeah. we get these labels and it honestly it isolates people the same way we've had yeah. the conversations of like oh i'm not a math person and what that may have impact longer term than um if you just said you can try everything some yeah. things we have more strength some things we don't growth mindset but yeah. that's i think where my switching from not just using it for myself but teaching others both both kids and adults has been the you can do this even if you don't feel like you can draw. Oh, and so, so with say adults, more about that. Yeah, say more about that. Yeah, I don't so I the, don't see myself that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so with adults, a lot of my in-person workshops or this online workshop that I'm creating, um, I start with little doodle creative challenges that have no right or wrong. And so one of them is like squiggle birds. You draw some squiggles on the page, whatever's on your page is going to look different than what's on my page. And then you turn them into birds by adding beaks and tails and feathers and noses. And it sounds funny in description, just on audio. But if you look up the word squiggle birds, it's like everybody's looks goofy. So it's just (laughs) getting you out of it's like team building kind of thing where you're just like it levels the playing field. It's got a timer. No one's meant to be good at this. It's it just addresses those kind of limiting beliefs and just Mm -hmm. says, who cares? I'm just playing. I'm just making marks. It doesn't really matter. And so we have to kind of unpack some of that before we can get into the technical side of here's a coffee cup. Let's look at this coffee cup. But how do we break it down to its most basic shapes? I see Mm -hmm. an ovally circle on the top. I see two straight lines on the side. I see a curved line on the base and I see a C for a handle. And so a lot of the um, the sketchnoting tips are if you can write the alphabet, then you can draw, you can draw. basic icons. You yeah. can put certain letters together and that will make this icon because the whole thing is it's called ideas, not art. It's not meant to be a perfect representation of it. It's not meant to be something that takes more than 10, 20 seconds but it's supposed to convey meaning as Mm -hmm. a communication tool or as a memory tool. And so adults are hard with that. Kids are great. Kids are like, Oh yeah, I'm just drawing this. But with adults, it's like, let's unpack the onion, like peel off the layers of the onion and find out all the shame around (laughs) why someone told you you weren't an artist or you're not creative. You can't. Yeah. There's yeah. I can see like, so like for my 10 year old, daughter it would be like so much easier to enter into like just scheduling she'd be like oh yeah because she draws all all the time she calls herself an artist right she's an artist mm-hmm. so for her it's like I could see that for, for me as an adult as you said it's like we have had so much experiences that have packed into our own you know like thoughts and just how feelings of like how we see ourselves and we just have to like you said peel away the onion so that we can just get into that playful mode that experimentation yeah. mode and um i i would love to know just your um experience and just your story of how like sketch noting like i guess how did you come how did you learn to like peel away like that shame that you experienced in the ninth grade biology to like, you've waited this long to see like, Oh, it's validation. Like what is, what was that like that whole time? Frame? Yeah. And all that journey in between. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that in, in between. It's interesting because um, the first thing I thought of was 
going to college. And so high school, pretty traditional high school that I went to honors or AP classes. There's kind of like you have a goal. Maybe I take those types of notes. Maybe I don't because I have to get the grade to do whatever we think is the next important step in life. But then when I went to um, college, I took a really unique program. Um, I went to Sonoma State University in Northern California, just about 45 minutes, an hour north of San Francisco. And we did something called a blended program. And so I did my credential, the, usually the fifth year of teaching as an undergrad. And so not only did that seem to super speed it, I was also in a liberal studies program that was an alternative route to general education. So where you usually see in movies, and I don't know people's college experience, but like you see the big lecture halls and the TA is the one doing mm -hmm. most of the teaching because the professors, mm -hmm. the absent-minded professor is busy <laughs> doing research or at a conference. Um, my college experience was walking into my professor's office and there's a table in the middle and there's 12 to 15 chairs around it. And we would have book clubs, pretty much book clubs, like read a book and talk about it and for a three hour class, but that was three times a week. Oh, wow. So I, so me as the math person who did not do well, like I got good grades in reading, but it was because I worked really hard. It was not because I was um, doing well on my SATs or anything. Um, I went into this pretty much reading program, which is again, kind of leads to the sketch noting yeah. where I'm going, I gotta be able to keep up. And so yeah. I think I would take notes because I was shy and taking notes allowed me not to have to speak mm. because I could hide in a class that I couldn't really hide because it's 15 people around the circle staring at each other. Yeah. And like <laughs> the most confident extroverts were the ones who thrived because mm -hmm. they could kind of BS their way, even though they didn't read the book. But they're like, oh, the theme <laughs> of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they'll just make some story and talk. And I'm like the one who read every page of the book and like twice trying to soak in the information. These are novels. These are um, not super technical books, but I used note-taking kind of as a way to hide from not participating mm -hmm. in class. Mm -hmm. And so for me, note-taking was almost a safety net, mm -hmm. but it was also a wall I was putting up as a barrier yeah. between me and interacting. And then somewhere I realized that the tool I was using that I thought was helping me was actually hurting me. And so oh. then I kind of swung a different way of like, I'm going to be eyes on, don't bring any notes. I got to be engaging and put myself out there. And then it kind of swung back to like, well, that's scary too. And I don't remember anything. Yeah, <laughs> so I think I kind of swung back. And I'm trying to think when I really started sketchnoting regularly, um, probably in grad school, um, I started teaching and during my I think my third year of teaching, I went back to grad school at night, which is a, mm -hmm. another story of yeah. full-time work and then night school and weekends and stuff like that. But I needed to maximize my time and I couldn't study things and keep track of things. And so I think I started to bring visuals back in because um, I think I finally research was happening around that time. Um, oh, yeah. If the Sketchnote Handbook was published 10 years ago, that was probably at the peak of when I started grad school. So it kind of mm -hmm. gave me some validation of like, there's a, that was like the big TED Talk era when everybody yeah. had a TED Talk that they wanted to recommend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it was starting to validate some of the things I'd probably denied uh -huh. for a while as a tool for my learning. Yeah. And that time in the past 10 years brought it back up.
But that said, I still only used it for like conferences. That was my, I go to a conference, I sketch a little image of the, the speaker, a little thumbnail, because I found that I can remember people that I saw for an hour presentation, like 10 years ago. Wow. There's a lady that I can remember her voice and her personality. And she had this wild zebra print shirt on. And I drew that in the picture. And like, she comes back to me like that. Wow. And that's something about like mental recall. When you give yourself a visual, yeah. you kind of gave yourself a memory hook yeah. or like a storage place. Like if you imagine like file cabinets, like I gave myself a little folder. I know exactly what's in that folder and I can pull it out when I need it. And yeah. so that's been the power of visuals with kind of like going to conferences, doing sketch notes, being able to look back at them and instantly go, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Versus if you type your notes, they're hiding somewhere on your computer, they're in Google Drive. Unless you use the search feature, you probably aren't looking back at them again. No, no, that's so. that's true. That's true for me. <laughs> I like that's totally true for me because I was thinking as you were, you know, sharing your story, it's like sketch noting and, and I'm um remembering what you said about like the research in edutopia it's like the visuals is what helps the individual make a deeper connection to the information that they're learning and it's and and relationships like the word relationships helps like it helps them relate better with the information but the relationships within the information like in biology you know and just like it was a tool to help you access information that was important to you. And also I'm like trying to follow my train of thought here, but like, I'm like, wow. Cause when I, when I, I'm a note taker, like I like to take notes with words and, but sometimes like I can see like with my own way of note taking, I can't write everything. Like I want to write everything down and that's due to my perfectionism tendency, which, you know, everyone y'all were working on that. I'm working on that. Um, but like, uh, now learning how to just write down like words that are, that speak to me. Right. But adding a visual to help even integrate that even more. And then to embody like that, because like when you're, it makes me think about like, why do we want to learn information is because we're seeking something to fill a need is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I, I mean, okay. Now I'm curious. How has. Yeah. Keep going. Cause I'm how, looking yeah. for a, a statistic that you just brought up and I have a number for you and you're like, I can't record everything. Yeah. And I will tell you exactly about that. If I can find it in my notes. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, every, um, you know, this is why I record. I use my, when I take notes, like I actually would rather take notes with pen and paper because the, the, okay, this is com- coming from the teacher standpoint, everyone. All right. Because the physical action of your, of your hand moving and your, your writing the words, it actually helps you imprint that information in your brain. All right. So that's a, that's a little 411 for everyone. Okay. But versus typing, because typing actually, I mean, I've played around with this. I love to type because I feel like I can take more notes, but in actual, I, what Alicia just here, you really don't go back. I don't remember it as much. (laughs) One, you don't go back. And two, what you're doing when you're typing is you're trying to record everything that's there. And I'm sorry to burst anybody's bubble. (laughs) AI and technology can copy it faster and better than you ever will be able to. So why spend your time doing that? 
Because yeah. if you want a recording, it's called speech to text. Like you, you could have this on recording and it'll spit out for you exactly what the person said. Yeah. So the difference by taking notes by hand, which is great that you have experienced that because in 2014, there was a Scientific American article, that's what I was looking for, <laughs> called A Learning Secret, Don't Take Notes with a Laptop. And the research is now 10 years old, which is weird because everything in the pandemic and virtual school and work from home made things go the opposite direction from what research shows. Oh. And um, people that took notes by hand outperformed the people that took notes on their laptop, like not just immediately, but also like weeks later. And that's like a very crude overview of that study. So we can link it in the show notes for people yes. to read it themselves. Um, but the reason behind that, which is also where the visuals then add an extra layer on top of the handwritten notes, is that you are processing things. When you are taking things, taking notes by hand, and that was the, the statistic I was looking at. And I don't quote me on this, but somewhere in my notes, I have the how many words per minute you can actually write. And let's just say it's 31. Um, how many you can type is far beyond that. Oh, yeah. And so by handwriting, you are forcing yourself to maybe catch every couple words. But by forcing yourself to catch every couple words, you're not keeping track of the and 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 mm -hmm. insignificant words. So now you're actually having your brain work. You are yeah. filtering and processing what is the essential information, which is one of the key things about learning yeah. is I can filter what's most important. Like even as a first grade teacher or a reading specialist, yeah. half of the battle is getting students to summarize. Yes. Right. Yes. What's so the, the quicker you, point? what's the most important? What's the main idea? Yeah, yeah. What are the details? And so when you are taking notes by hand, you're automatically doing that process. Um, in one of the opening notes of my, uh, my sketch noting workshop for educators or adults or anybody, um, I had this scene of, uh, I love Lucy. I don't know if you know this episode or just this scene, or it's a meme now, like, mm -hmm the chocolate factory and she's like the chocolate's going down the assembly line and she's supposed to be inspecting it and picking oh, yes. at it, but it's going too it's fast. Too fast. She's like, she's like grabbing it up and like putting it in her shirt and all of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I use that as my metaphor for what we try to do with learning. Mm. The learning right now, the information is like a conveyor belt and it's coming at us from every angle and it's coming at super speed. Like we yeah. can get information from across the world faster than any other generation before us. And so we actually have to filter if we want to actually retain anything and not hold on to it and then drop it the next, because we can only hold so much working memory or so much long-term memory. Um, we have to filter it. And so we have yeah. to pick what's most important to filter. Yeah. And then I have this phrase filter, refine and polish. And so filtering is picking the most important refining it is recoding it in a way that it will stick with you. And so for me, the way I teach is how do you make a visual icon or metaphor where you can take like a paragraph of words and summarize it in one image, because wow. that image will it's recall way faster and bring you back to that experience rather than saying, let me describe this paragraph word for word the way we used to memorize it. Yeah. So it's like little visual cues or triggers for memory. So that's all on the learning and memory side. 
um, of things, which is the teacher side of it of like, okay, we can study, 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 but if you're not matching it with what learning science actually says is effective, um, then we're spending our time in the wrong, wrong place. So that's where I've been really excited on the education side, even out of the classroom, out of um, the public education sector in the traditional sense mm-hmm. is I'm very much in the education world, looking at teaching and learning and cognitive science right now, wow. and specifically with visual thinking. So it's yeah. exciting. It's exciting world to see research happening around stuff that might've been considered just doodling and play. And yeah. What you're pointing at is like, these things are creating meaning for people, not Mm -hmm. just like in a, not just in a, in in an academic sense of learning information, but I noticed like in your own story, it's like, it's creating more meaning and like understanding yourself too. So I'd be Mm -hmm. curious to know how sketch noting has been a tool in your own evolution of understanding yourself. You kind of touched upon it of like earlier, yeah, like yeah. I had to learn how to peel the layers of the onion and release that shame of doodling and yeah. things like that. Could you like share more about how, how sketchnoting has kind of helped evolve your understanding of yourself and connecting with yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll backtrack just a second. Cause I know I really quickly talked about kind of where I am at currently yeah. in the 2023 space, um, depending on when the listeners are hearing this. Yes. Um, I decided to make a big life change and I quit my stable job in 2022. And while I had some little safety nets of part-time work and things it really was meant to be a sabbatical and that was a word I didn't really understand what it meant Mm -hmm. I am not exactly good at rest I'm not a tv watcher I am not good on vacation and just being like okay sit and lounge for eight hours like that is not me like I'm a very active person yeah even when it came to teaching mindfulness and like bringing that into the classroom or bringing it into my life, I always found that mindful moments and mindful breathing were great, but mindful movement was way better for me. Mm -hmm. And so like my most mindful and aware, because that's what I equate mindful to meaning is aware Mm -hmm. um, moments were on trails and on hikes and playing sports or on bike rides. And so I knew that it was a very active process for me to strip away all the other thoughts. And so I don't know why I thought that standing still in what I thought a sabbatical was, <laughs> having never met anybody that had taken a sabbatical, um, I really wrestled with that word. Yeah. And once I started to see that it was active for me, I needed to see a way of like, how do you track if things are working? How do I process my thoughts? How do I heal? Mm-hmm. And like, detox I know that's a a part of like awareness and detoxing is a Mm -hmm. part of your cycle Mm -hmm. um, of coaching and how do I address all the things that I think I'm bringing with me and in full vulnerability I reached out to Jocelyn at the beginning of um, fall after I had just quit my job I was like I don't know what life coaching is but I'm willing to take a consult because I probably need to talk to someone (laughs) (laughs) yes And she agreed to go on a hike with me. And I was in a crazy place that week. Mentally, I hadn't slept. I had fallen into old traps of saying yes to job opportunities that I always wanted. 
like I was seriously like, we can talk about the spiritual side of this, but I was Mm -hmm. spiritually tested and Mm -hmm. tempted with all of the things I had thought I wanted in my career in the next 10 years. And they were pretty much handed to me like, Hey, we will make an exception. We know you don't have that credential yet, but we'll recommend you for this job at this position or this higher level. And yeah. I'm going, I just finally said no and said I needed a break. Yeah. But Ooh, that shiny mm-hmm. thing, shiny object. What I always wanted. And I was at this process where I was so quick to say yes. And then I would sleep and I wouldn't sleep. I would like have this overnight, like, uh, this doesn't sound right. Why am I anxious about it? And I haven't even started. (laughs) And I'm like, this is my body telling me this isn't right. And now Mm -hmm. I need to learn how to apologize and say, no, I actually am going to decline the offer. Thank you. But I'm going to decline. And I'm telling you now, even though we kind of made a verbal contract yesterday, but I'm going to tell you now so you can get the right person for the job. And so that's kind of where I walked into the life coaching meeting you again, after we hadn't really seen each other directly in many years. And I think I was a basket case. Like I was just crying and hiking and I didn't know who was there, but it was like everything that I'd suppressed, like bubbled up in that hike. Yeah. And the one thing that we took, because I knew there were so many things I needed to take from that. But the first step was I need to figure out how to get a handle on my time. Mm-hmm. and cause I was feeling like time was sneaking away from me. And when you don't know, it's kind of like being on a summer vacation or being on any weekend. Mm-hmm. And the moment you start the weekend, it's like time is ticking, even though there's more of it, like Saturday yeah. morning, even though there's more of the weekend, than when, then you have more of it left. You're not even at the halfway point or the yeah. peak of the weekend. We start counting down. Rather than counting like, I still have all of this. And so having this long sabbatical period that had an unknown end, I needed to manage my time. And so where did the day go? Because I didn't have any of my normal markers to be able to say a sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. or a sense of routine. Like I pulled the rug from all my routines. Mm -hmm. And so that was a long-winded version of saying, that's what kind of got me to just get a notebook. And I was like, I'm not a journal person. I'm not a dear diary person. Like my notes were very much academic. They were very professional, but I'm going through this process and I feel like I need to start writing things down. Mm -hmm. And so when I first started my notebook that I started the past fall was literally just a daily log. What did I do today? How much and like recalibrating my expectations on what can get done in a day because we go into it super hopeful. Like we do every single time. Like I'm going to do this, 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 and this on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. And then I've read productivity books and I'm like, okay, well I'm going to reorder it. So here's my one thing. If I at least get this one thing, then I'll feel good. Yeah. But then life happens Mm -hmm. and someone walks in and they're like, actually, we're going to do this instead. Or, Hey, can you meet me here? And you're like, that's great. But my to-do list like tasks are people. We've had this conversation before and being someone who is very task oriented, I had to say, I have to be more people oriented. This is, I'm good at tasks. I need to stop that. I need to invest in relationships that I have not made time for when I was so busy working. And so um, the journaling helped me just start to get a handle on my time. And what happened is it slowly became a place for me to reflect because I built a habit of daily saying, what did I do today? I had some goals around health. So on the top of um, 
I like notebooks and I'll describe this for people who are just listening. I like notebooks that have the title and date already built in. So I like I have a dot grid with a title and a spot where the all the months and dates are there and I just literally circle it. Circle March, oh. circle this. Oh, and nice. so it forces me to have a record. Yeah. And in that top spot, I would make it a note of putting what my activity was for the day. If I went to boxing class, if I went to Orange Theory Fitness, if I went on a hike, and that was my like accountability for that health goal. Yeah. And then while I was there, I started a new icon. And my new icon was this little like, almost like 4th of July, like a little sparkler. Yeah. Just like a literally a stick with some sparks coming out. And the spark represented something that was a thought provoker. It was a podcast episode I heard. It was a quote someone said. It was something I read on social media. And so I would write it down. So I was like, obviously, this was important to me in that moment. How do I retain it? And so throughout my notes, I'll see these different sparks uh, from this book. Here's this theme I've been seeing. But the crazy part about the healing process is when you keep yourself a paper trail of all of these things, in one place, not on my phone, hiding behind folders, not on Google Drive, where it's out in the ether, like I, it's tangible, like I can go here. And before I look at the next one, I can flip back a few pages and go, huh, this, that, that book reminded me of something else. I think that was, oh, in November, I've got the date, I've got everything I can go back. And this is where the spiritual side of it remind me what your phrase is about divine timing. Trust in the divine timing of life. Trust and surrender to the divine timing of life. Yep. And that's something that people say God speaks to them in different ways. Mm -hmm. I have come to the discovery that I think God speaks to me in visuals or in metaphors, because I can look back through a couple months of notes in scenarios that felt so isolated, that felt like they did not connect at all. And I can look at my notes and I've drawn the same picture in four different spots of my journal, or it's the same theme in a different format and it's growing and it's refining and it's polishing to something that maybe it was just thought I was, it was very personal. And now it's at a point where I'm going, is anybody else noticing this (laughs) coming up? (laughs) Okay. When you just said that, I just got chills. Like I'm like getting teary eyed because that's just a beautiful, like, Uh, y'all if you can't feel that energy I can feel that energy right now like that's just a beautiful like uh story of just the the depth and the meaning behind just even when you think about sketching like oh yeah sketch noting but what it can bring to someone like yeah that's like literally I was like like, I'll, I'll give an I'll give an example I have a couple examples the first one is I'm reading this book called Embracing Trust by Joanna Weaver and I'm a person that loves audiobooks because I love to multitask and I know multitasking mm-hmm. is not helpful, but if it's active, then I'm going, at least I can be walking and listening. Yeah. But I also know I get a fraction of what the content is. And so I often listen to it in an audiobook. And if it's a book I really want to steep in the content or sketch, then I will buy it in hardback as well or paperback and I will read it again word Mm -hmm. for word at the rate I need to, to be able to jot down notes. And I look at some of my notes from that. And she talks about embracing trust and just taking one step at a time in life. 
And I've shared this metaphor with you before in some of our coaching calls of the idea of life being, or my purpose of my life, either being like MapQuest or Google Maps, a printed version versus Waze, Mm -hmm. which only gives you turn by turn directions. And Mm -hmm. in my control perfectionist mentality, I want to know all the steps to get from A to B. Yeah. (laughs) And I want to foresee everything before I take the first step. But that's not life. No. That's not, it never is life. No. (laughs) Because all the things we think are going to happen, you don't know what crash is coming. You don't know that there's construction down the road and those maps are old or they're not live changing to what actually is happening in reality. And so I've started using this. How can I trust life more like Waze, where in the Waze driving app, you might have a route, but when an obstacle comes, it reroutes you. Mm -hmm. And if, if I believe Psalm 23 and the Lord is my shepherd, then I got to be okay with being rerouted and recognizing that the path that I thought was right wasn't actually happening. Maybe I'm being protected from something that I don't know is an obstacle down the road. And so I see these visuals that I'm writing and I'm going, I haven't, it's not embodied yet. I'm at the awareness stage. It's not in the alignment stage, Yes. (laughs) but by writing it down, I start to see my own progress in the journey of that cycle of not just calling it out and saying, I see it, I hear it, but actually saying I'm living it. I'm embodying it. It's a part of my routine. Um, The other metaphor that has really stuck with me is um, the spark was a podcast from the courageous life podcast. And there was, um, I think it's the last episode before she took a break and it was like liminal space and something horizons or something like that. But she talked about transition being like a dock in a boat Mm. and a dock dock is what's stable. And so even if the dock feels like it's burning, even if the dock, we've talked about this, has yes. hidden snakes underneath mm-hmm. or, or enemies, mm-hmm. it's still stability. It's still familiar. Mm-hmm. And we stay in things that are stable and familiar, like relationships and all the things about abuse and things yes, like in toxic yes. situations. We stay in those environments simply because they're familiar, even yeah. if it's not good for us. Yeah. The boat represents the new opportunity. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the boat is shaky. It is not really a cruise. It's not always stable. It's like, maybe it's like a rowboat. If yeah. It's like, I just need a way to get out of here. I don't know yeah. where I'm going, but I need a way to get out of here. And the sketch that I have in my notes multiple times in the past month couple months is this idea of one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. And if you've ever gotten into a boat, that is the least stable part is when you have one foot on land and one foot on the, on the boat. boat. And you're kind Mm -hmm. of teeter tottering. Like all my sketches have this kind of like wiggly squiggle smile because you're kind of like hands are up, you're flailing, like, like, what do I do? Yeah. Two things. Yeah. You get to choose in that moment. Yeah, you get to choose in that moment. You do. You do. And when I was in my full-time job, I knew I wanted to go. I was seeking out what boats and opportunities were there. Yeah. But I wasn't knowing if that was what was right for me. So I kept looking back at the dock going, I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be next year. 
But then I like, let's say job opportunity. I'm going to talk about, because I know you've gone through your own cycle of going back to part-time work and Mm -hmm. it's hard being a job candidate again. It Mm -hmm. is hard trying to put yourself out there. If you have any sense of humility, it's weird to put like, here's all my strengths. And that's not the way I like to present myself. And, And so resumes and cover letters and interviews are just, they're weird, no matter how yeah. it is. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's inauthentic until you get past yes. that. It's like the yeah. first date. You're like, yeah, uh, I hope <laughs> something that's okay. Cause after that, we'll get to know each other. <laughs> yeah. But um, the dock and the boat, the I kept seeing job opportunities. And out of hope, I was like, I'm packing my bag. This one's mine. This job mm-hmm. opportunity was written with my name on it. <laughs> selfishly. Yeah. And I was also just needed hope of optimism of getting out of the situation I was in. Yeah, you want to get off the dock. I packed yeah. my, right? Yeah, I'm like, this one's for me. I'm not sure if I should tell people or not. But I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to make my portfolio. I'm going to update my resume. I'm going to make a personalized cover letter. This is for all the job seekers out there. And then you watch the boat go by. And then it's easy the first time to go, Oh, that wasn't my boat. But there's another one out there waiting for me. And for all the people that are trying to find jobs right now, it is not uncommon. I've heard people say, I applied to 400 and got two interviews. And it's a weird, demoralizing experience just because you don't have human connection. A lot of it's filtered from a Mm -hmm. computer system, right? And so for me, I kept watching these ideal boats boats of job opportunities fly by me. And I'm like packed bags on the edge of the dock waiting. You're like, I'm ready. Is this one mine? Yeah. I'm ready. Is this one mine? I, <laughs> I learned from my mistakes. I'm doing this. I'm ready I'm to take me. <laughs> and something back to that podcast was about transition. And that when you're one foot in, one foot out is the least stable. And I was in that space for a couple months of not knowing what I was going to do. Yeah. And to be honest, I put in my resignation a year ago from when we were recording this, after going hiking on Memorial Day weekend, not knowing what I was going to say on Tuesday, I showed up. And the clarity of being away from everything and no service, no Wi-Fi, no anything. I came back Tuesday morning and asked for a HR appointment and said, I'm putting in my resignation. It was not something that people are like, oh, you've been planning this for so long. I'd been debating it for so long. It literally happened over the course of a weekend of clarity. And then I had to stand with it and go, okay. And in that sense, because I didn't have a boat lined up, which is the first thing people ask you when you quit something, what are you doing next? And I'm going, I don't know. The metaphor for that is that it's okay to tread in the water for a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not have your boat lined up, but it's okay to say, I'm not. I'm not staying in this environment. And Mm -hmm. I say this not to put down the environment. I have a lot of people I love there. It's been fantastic for me in many ways. I also just knew it wasn't long term. Um, It was supposed to be a temporary time. And with a lot of the combination of internal things that were happening there, things that were happening in my family, the three years of the last world (laughs) events, I needed, I needed for myself to take a break it was not a one bad thing happened it was the happy combination of it all and that got me to say I don't know what sabbatical means but I'm going to jump in the water 
I'm going to wait for my boat, but I'm just going to tread and I'm going to see how long I can tread. And I was doing that for the past so many months. And then my finances not have run out, but my income from all the part-time jobs stopped. And that's scary when you have had stable monthly checks coming in forever and now you don't have one. Yeah. It's like, or any new mom that's like, oh, I'm taking some time off. Like you feel like your worth has changed, even though that never paycheck never defined us and it barely covered everything anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You start second guessing and double. Yeah. Second guessing your worth and your identity. Should I go back to the doc? uh, Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Or the doc is always there. Yeah. Yeah, the doc's always there. You can go back. Like, you know, it's like, but let me remember why I said no the first time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and where I couldn't see the spiritual side of it in the early days of the dock and boat analogy, in the past month or two, through readings and listening to um, Christian podcasts, I really, um, are you familiar with Elizabeth Elliott? No, I'm not, no. She is a Christian missionary. She's passed already. So Mm -hmm. her thing was she was known like, I think 1950s. She was a missionary. Um, She was known because she brought Christianity to a tribe in Ecuador that was known as like savage killers. Mm -hmm. And to the point, this is a little graphic, but to the point where her husband was a missionary and he had a group of men tried to connect with them. And we're all speared to death. And the weird part is that she felt called to go move in with that tribe with her three-year-old daughter. Oh, wow. So hearing, I'm (laughs) exactly. So I heard that story and I'm like, what test of faith and belief does this woman have to forgive and to all these things, be humble, to uh, listen to God's will and not her own. Like every human side of you says run away. Yeah. But she went back into the fire. And so there's something about learning from others lives that I really Mm -hmm. enjoy. And so I started listening. I've been reading her biography. Um, I started listening to her podcast and her podcasts are all her old radio shows from before oh. I would have been an adult or even before I was a Christian. And so it's cool because her foundation is now replaying all these old things. So I'll listen to something she said in 1982 before I was born, but it feels as fresh today yes. as it did probably for them back then. Yeah. And so when I listened to her, I'm trying to think where I was going with this about the, Boat oh, in the being yeah. in the water. Yeah being in the water, she had something recently, either between her or some of the book authors I've been reading about when you're floating and kind of the storms are coming and all these other stories we know from the Bible. When you're floating, you were never alone anyways. So I started drawing myself no longer treading. I'm not just treading. Then I had a life not a lifeboat, but like a little a life, floaty, like floaty. a little you have a life tube. vest, like a life vest. Yes, yeah. I have a life vest. And I was going, no wonder I was never doing this in my own strength anyway. And then as I'm reading more and going to church and hearing these sermons, I'm going, oh, my gosh, that was the message I needed to add to this visual. Who is your anchor? And I'm going, I'm not going to ever stray too far because that little floaty that I have is actually not a floaty. It's a buoy. And it's anchored to the ground. 
And it will never let me go float away into the ocean and into um, scary places. It may look like it. I may still have all the emotions of being terrified, but I was going to be okay despite all of the tribulations that are going to come. And I just need to trust and have faith. And that's where me sketchnoting, where it started as something for academic purposes, something for learning, something for memory, it has transformed to a healing process as a way for me to have, like I said, a paper trail of all of these thoughts and emotions and little tidbits of all the influences in my life of whatever stuck with me that day. But by taking the extra 10 minutes or even yesterday, I was kind of in prep for this. I wanted to kind of write out some of the things that maybe were top of mind. And my boyfriend kept coming over and is like, are you done? I'm like, oh, no, I'll be ready in a minute. And I was just writing for an hour. And I never give myself time and space to journal for an hour because like it feels selfish. Like, what am I doing it for? Am I just... Am I just writing these notes that stay in this book and I could be doing this, 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 and this on the to-do list. Mm -hmm. But if you go back to healing, having quiet time, having time sitting with your thoughts with no outside stimulus, having time to document and process and listen and pray and whatever your beliefs are, whether it's a spiritual thing or not, you still need that time. Yeah, you still need to sit with it. And we live in a world where they are trying to make us not sit with anything because ding, 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 ding. So much noise, so much noise. And you're taking your attention. Yeah. I mean, what you're pointing at reminds me of a conversation I had earlier this morning is the the um, the importance, but the magic of slowness and the yeah. and the healing of slowness and the and and also like you know when you said you're like well an hour just to write like i'm not creating i'm not nothing's coming out of it but actually like you're pointing at detoxing from our societal's definition of productivity like oh, it's more right? about being in the moment with yourself and your thoughts and what you're processing through sketch noting and that is more important than the doing, because I know you, yeah. maybe you've heard this phrase or like, consuming more, or consuming yeah. more. It's more like we're not human doings, we're human beings. So sitting with our being uh, and sitting with that time to just sit with, you know, whether you believe in God or universe or whatever, you know, like it's like I, I'm going to like I'm like jumping around here with what you said. It's like the. When you're in the water, when you're describing that, I was like, my first thought was like, yeah, you always have a floaty. Whether you whether you are aware of it or not, whether you're spiritual or not, you there is always a floaty around you, but it, it it's it's requiring your awareness to know that you do have a floaty around you. Like yeah. and you have a buoy that is that is grounding you. But it's so yeah. Like you said, with all the noise and all the stuff that's coming at us, it's hard to actually like stop, look down, and we're like, huh. <laughs> I've yeah, got I don't need to be flailing. I don't need and to you be have flailing. Kids, yeah. Right. And you have kids, and we've been around kids with teaching, and you think like big problem or little problem. And when yes. you're spiritually or immature in any sense of the word, and that does not, immaturity doesn't re- relate to age. No. You're immature in any sense of the word. Every little problem feels like a big problem. 
Yeah. When it really didn't require or deserve that much attention, that much stress, that much physical toll on your body, your mind, your spirit. But it's so easy to jump to that if you're not slowing down and putting it in check and being yeah. aware of this signal of my body is actually telling me yeah. that I'm getting a stress response. Yeah. And it's so easy to see it after the fact. But when you are in the moment, oh, man, that problem feels like the worst thing in the world. It's the biggest thing in your in your <laughs> in your world. And I love how like your sketch noting is like a is like a um an archive of just yes. being able to notice those moments. Right. And like it sounds like you your sketch noting is the reflection of those moments and being yeah. able to look back. I'm like, oh. Every, it's like every time you look back at seeing what, how you engaged with that moment, it's even one more step of towards your own evolution of like deepening your own awareness of yourself and deepening your way of how to engage when it comes again, because y'all, it doesn't come once it comes multiple times. Oh, it comes back every time. Every time. We're not saying that in a negative way. It's just, that's life, right? That's life. And um, sometimes that's how we, you know, sometimes we attract the same lesson because that's a lesson that we need to, that we need to learn, you know? And so, and I love how you're documenting that in a way that's meaningful and that's like healing as well. And that's like helping you to like awaken this sense of, you know, who you were created to be. So thank you. Yeah, Yeah. it's been a gift. It's been a gift. And honestly, the gift of time and the gift Mm -hmm. of reflection has been the biggest one that no financial reward could have outweighed or been traded for in this past year. And for anybody who is going through any transition, letting yourself sit in that transition because it's it's temporary it's not like i'm oh i retired at 35 36 like i i know it's temporary but i know that it's refining me or it is forging me or making me stronger or more aware or more more aligned with my values for this next step of life so i can put in check what i thought were my values yeah. And some of them served me well for the first part of my life, but some of them did not. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where a lot of us are is just putting that in check and going, okay, we have this opportunity to rethink things, sit with it. It's scary. It's hard. Quitting your job is easy to say. It is a lot harder to do, not for the stability, but be- when you become your own boss, you don't have anybody to blame. Yeah. That's the biggest <laughs> thing I told everybody. It's like, it's easy. Even I love my bosses, but it's easy to put a scapegoat to, oh, I didn't finish that because so-and-so asked me to do this, or I didn't get as far along because I had was called to sub and rescue a teacher that had to go home. But when you're by yourself and you're your own boss and any entrepreneurs uh-huh. here, yeah. you got to face all of that stuff. And it it's a risk that you have to be willing to take because there's great reward if you stick with it. But it's like, I know you've had some people that have talked recently about the creative journey, Mm -hmm. and what creativity means, and what starting any business feels like. Nobody knows what they're doing. No, we're all beginners. We're all beginners in everything. (laughs) Yeah, my boyfriend does does jujitsu. And in the martial arts system, it's like white belt versus black belt and all the ranks in between. And so I always have to remind myself, where I may be a purple belt or a black belt in something else, 
I am a white belt belt. in this. Even though I have, yeah, even though I've spent five years working with adults, teaching adults in person, online, uh, thrown into Zoom, being a course instructor for Zoom in summer 2020, when none of us knew how to use Zoom, I had an online (laughs) course that I was leading for summer PD and 40 people signed up. You can't even see 40 people on your Zoom screen in summer of 2020. And I have never taught online like that, but you just do it. Where I had experience with one aspect of that, I had zero experience with the other. And it's being okay saying, I don't know, or I'm going to ask for help, or I'm just going to try and figure it out. Yeah. And as I figure it out, I'll ask for a little more help. help. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's be- been inter- being okay with so that. Interesting. It's being yeah. okay with that. And yeah, I love how you touched upon like nothing is forever because I know, you know, right now we're recording where there's been a lot of layoffs right in the Bay Area. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when this episode comes out, I'm not sure what life is going to be like, but like that is, yeah. you know, to let everyone know, like nothing is forever. And also, you know, I'm going to speak to, you know, like uh, <laughs> the, the teachers in our previous uh, education sector is like, I know a lot of us work towards retirement, you know, and like, yeah. oh, I just got to get to retirement. And what you were talking about, like entering to battle, it's kind of like that. It's like, yeah. you look for retirement, and that's great and all. And also, when you get to retirement, you are with yourself. You are with yeah. you. It's the, and- it's the great, it's going to be the and that's, that's the, I think, you know, both of us, we left, I retired. Mm-hmm. I've not asked everyone. I've retired. <laughs> I have officially retired. I've, I've retired from teaching, but it is one of those, when you step into a new season of life, it's a new learning of yourself. Yeah. And, and that is, and sometimes, you know, looking at my own parents and just people entering into retiring or, th- or about to enter retiring, yeah. it can be scary because extremely, extremely. Yeah. So, I mean, I love yeah. how you touched upon it's that. So, it's so interesting that you say that because even when um, you asked me to write a little bio, some words about myself, my first instinct was, oh, what have I written about myself before? And then I went, but I'm a different person now you than are. I used to be. And then I went, I am an educator, da, 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 da. And, I, and I, I had to take away the, I'm not a teacher if I'm not teaching, because we have this teacher badge of honor that is mm-hmm. really a bad stigma and superhero stuff and mm-hmm. everything that goes with that. But then there's also, I still am an educator. I will always be an educator because yes. I think teaching and education is a God-given gift. And you can have that role, whether you're in a formal setting or if it's just with your kids or just with a friend, Mm -hmm. I think that is a gift that um, both of us were granted. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can still say that title, but I also didn't want to put that forward of all my roles and my work as my defining factors. And it was really interesting to write three sentences about myself. <laughs> so I think I put it second. Or I said like served with the roles of like I have, I really debated it yesterday because how yeah. do you label yourself when yeah. you're not doing the thing that you've done forever? And I yeah. know I'm not a mom yet, but I know moms have that thing where it's like, oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, or I used to be a teacher, or my dad just retired. I was a mechanical engineer for 40 years, but now I'm retired? Does that just lump everybody in the same same category? It's like how you define yourself, but being okay with these 
kind of fluid changing roles and that you were a person or you had an identity outside of all those roles. That's just what you did. Yeah. Like the human being, not human doing. Doing. Yeah. You're just, you're at this season, you have this hat on and you can always take that hat on hat off. You know, I'm not going to take on ownership of that metaphor. I heard it from someone else. I don't remember who, yep. <laughs> but it's like, That's we okay. have all these hats that we put on these that roles we wear. Yep. that we wear and we can wear some at the same, you know, same time, you know, we stack them up or whatever, but yeah. But I really yeah. thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I Me mean, too. I, we, we like talked, we could talk forever. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. It's- so um, is there anything that you would like to share with, uh, our audience about what you're creating? Cause you kind of pointed, kind of touched upon it in your conversation. What are you creating that you can share with the audience that to learn more about sketchnoting? Yeah. Um, I talked about sketchnoting for, um, memory really in that early stage of our conversation and communicating it with others, which is really what's helping me by, channeling my notes and learning how to share those notes, even as vulnerable as they are in the raw Mm. form. I don't edit them. I just take a picture. I sent one to Jocelyn yesterday. I said, this is the first thing that came out, the first image that came out, but I want to share it with you. It's a way to communicate an idea Mm. or recognize. And so what I'm excited to share is I'm currently working on and hopefully will be published by the time this is live, a, an online workshop called How to Sketchnote to Improve Memory and Communication. It is on a platform called Grassroots Workshops, which is by education leaders that you know and trust. It's really meant um, to be people who have lived it and not just a professional, but someone who has lived this experience and gets to share it with others. The way it's formatted is all self-paced videos. So you can do as much as you want or as little as you want. And personally, I've taken a lot of online learning and Mm -hmm. I know it's really easy, like a book to just have it go in one ear and out the other ear. Mm -hmm. So something that I appreciate about about the way I've been structuring it, which is why it's taking so long to make (laughs) is it's meant to be an active doing. So imagine Mm -hmm. it more like an interactive workbook um, where the video has a little bit of coaching and then I doodle alongside you on the screen. I put a two minute timer and say, we're going to practice this put on some fun background music and we'll talk about it, model it so that you can just put 10 minutes aside a day and actually build the skills. So it's not just a Alicia's good at sketchnoting. Yeah. And because she's been doing it for 20 years on and off, it's a here's entry point. Building habits takes actual time of what mm-hmm. I call do the work. I even have a little visual of a brain doing some weightlifting, <laughs> a little <Yes>. animated <laughs> brain doing weightlifting. It's like, okay, you have the, you have the knowledge now. Yeah. Now it's time to do the work. Personal yeah. trainer can't get fit for you. No, you, you have to do, do the work. It and so, mm-hmm. so that's the structure of it is video based lessons, self-paced. Um, you pay a one-time fee and get access to the, the online workshop. So I'm excited for anybody who wants to learn and dip their toe into the beginner level even if you can't draw, yeah. that is what it's, who it's for. And Teachers, we'll, parents, yes. anybody. Anyone. If, if you're thinking, I can't draw, well, we'll work through that limiting belief. You need yeah. a coach. You call, call me up. We'll work that through is that. Less, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. we'll put the um, link in the show notes and on the information. Um, and one last question for you, Alicia. What is your favorite song to jam to right now? Yeah, right now, 
yeah, recently I have been listening to a New Zealand musician called Benny. Um, she kind of blew up during the pandemic. I think she had a song on TikTok that got really popular mm-hmm. and it's called Glitter by Benny. And when we finally started going to concerts again, she was the first concert I got to see after a few years off. And it was just so fun getting to see live music again. So Glitter by Benny. Benny. Is it B-E-N-N-Y? B-E-N-B-E-N-E-E. B-E-N-E. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast and just for sharing your story and also about sketchnoting. So Y'all check out the um, online course about sketchnoting and, you know, it's going to be amazing tool for you too. So thank you so much, Alicia. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me on. I always appreciate our conversations. Thank you. Bye y'all. Alrighty, friends, I hope you enjoyed listening in to that really insightful and deep conversation, real and raw conversation between Alicia and I about sketchnoting. Here are four main takeaways from today's conversation. One, sketchnoting helps you create a deeper understanding of the information you learn. Two, we're all beginners in some aspect of life and every season of life. Three, you're not flailing alone in the water of the unknowns, but rather you are floating with the support that is and has always been there. And four, there is power in the slowness in slowing down to take note through sketchnoting of what you're experiencing, learning, and processing. And here are two coaching questions to help you reflect and that invite you to put into practice what we talked about in today's episode. One, how can you allow yourself to slow down to notice what you're experiencing, learning, and processing? Two, with any aspect of life, what will it look like to allow yourself to be a beginner with a lens of curiosity and wonder? And lastly, if you're a working mom, when you slow down and allow yourself to slow down, that is when you are able to be present for yourself, for your kids, for the work that you do in your career. And so if you are looking for guidance and support in figuring out how to invite slowness into your life so that you can be more present in your life, then I invite you to book a free 30-minute coaching conversation with me. So click the link in the show notes or go to www.empoweredworkingmomrevolution.com forward slash coaching. And I hope to connect with you and we'll figure out how to invite slowness into your life so that you can be more present to yourself, your kids, your family, and to the work that you do. Alrighty. Thank you so much for listening in. And I can't wait to jam with you next week here on the Empower Working Mom Revolution podcast. Bye y'all.